Friends, welcome to Leadosophy, here with an open mind because that is the rule, not the exception. We got some jacked up music for you this morning, or this afternoon, or this evening, wherever you're watching or listening, Leadosophy. I'm grateful for your time. Got a two part episode coming up. The first part today is going to be about leadership training. I guess we can talk about leadership and management training. Two different things to me, but we can talk about them in kind of the same, same light. Is formal leadership training effective? Do you need it? Is it something that is necessary to step into a leadership role? Is it beneficial? How do we know leadership training from a formal perspective is even effective? Those are some questions Leadosophy is going to be wrestling with on this episode and the next episode. Here we go. Hope you enjoy this episode. ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of leadosophy, Tim Wood. All right, friends, welcome back. Leadosophy is going to be completely real with you today. Might be a little all over the roadmap because there's this idea I want to talk about that I want to discuss the validity of this idea of the importance of formal leadership training. Is it valuable? Is it necessary? If you're watching, I have up on the screen an article, I think it was from either 2017 or 2018 from Forbes. And if you're listening, I'll just, there's one paragraph I want to read in this article. It says, quote, a recent study by careerbuilder.com shows that a whopping 58% of managers said they didn't receive any management training. Digest that for a second. Most managers in the workforce were promoted because they were good at what they did and not necessarily good at making the people around them better. This statistic obviously unveils a harsh reality. We have a bunch of leaders who aren't trained on how to lead. A couple assumptions in here Leadosophy likes to unpack. The first thing is they were promoted because they were good at what they did and not necessarily good at making the people around them better. And unless, of course, they were told that. If they were told that by their supervisor, hey, I'm promoting you, you're the best person for this job. You are the most technically competent person to accept this management job and oversee the technical competence piece underneath you. Then, okay, that's not an assumption. But maybe the people who were surveyed would say that and they didn't know the full reason why they're promoted Then they would be assuming that's why they're promoted. The second assumption is we have a bunch of leaders who aren't trained on how to lead. Let that ruminate for a second. We have a bunch of leaders who aren't trained on how to lead. I had this conversation. I did an interview with Kevin Morgan a few weeks back. You can see it on YouTube. Kevin served in the Coast Guard with me, or I served with Kevin. Uh, Kevin's got about 20, almost 26 years of Coast Guard experience. He is a chief warrant officer. Kevin and I had this discussion about how we, when we were coming up through the ranks, when we were at the E4, E5 level, and we were in charge of leading a group of humans, anywhere from 10 to 15, 
we had no management training. We had no leadership training at that time in our careers. We just kind of figured it out, I guess. There's no, I guess we did just figure it out. What could have been taught to us? I guess what leadosophy wants to know, was there something that could have been formally taught to us that would have expedited the learning curve on how to lead? When we say, what does it mean to lead? Do we even know in what context we're talking about? What industry are we talking about? What's the specific situation where I have to make a decision, a leadership type decision? Is there some sort of leadership training that could help me overcome that gap, that knowledge gap between being a new leader, not knowing how to lead per se, and we're assuming that just because it's the first time you're in a manager role, you've never led, and leadosophy would argue you've probably led before in situations you just didn't realize you were leading. It was maybe informal. It was a organic situation where you organically became the leader on a project or whatever it might have been. Maybe it was a project within your community. You probably received some hands-on learning experiences about leading and managing, and you didn't even know you had done it before. So this notion that people are just placed into a management role and they've never had any formal management training, I think can be a little gray. You may have never had any formal management training as far as managing a group of people's time off or leading through a large team project where you have to accomplish X, Y goals and you have to deal with different personalities and bring that team together. You may not have actually done that before, but in maybe in smaller circumstances and in other parts of your life, you may have done that and not even realized it. So that's my first thought or leadosophy's first thought on, on leadership training. This is a two-part series. The next part I'm going to do on the next episode, there's actually a really good document I want to cover. It's put out by, by an agency over in the UK and they talk about the issues with formal leadership training. They did all these studies and came out with like five issues of, of formal leadership training and why it fails. And they have a bunch of, of sub-issues that I'm going to talk and just discuss roughly that I think may tie in nicely to this episode. But this is, I'm getting my just kind of raw and filtered thoughts out here about formal leadership training. I received formal leadership training later in my career. I, I guess the first probably formal leadership training I received was at the United States Coast Guard Chiefs Petty Officer Academy in Petaluma, California. So every Coast Guard chief, that's the rank of E7 in the enlisted world, once you become an E7 or a chief petty officer, you must go through this. At the time, it was a four-week training school on how to be a chief, how to lead others, how to function in teams. And it was a very interesting class. And I think one of the, the probably downfalls of me going into the class and this is on me, this, I'm being 100 with you, this was my fault, I went into, the, into that class probably a little overconfident. I was in my late 20s. I had been in positions where I had led a lot of people, search and rescue world, high operational tempo units, and I, I was probably too bold for my own, for my own good. This was... This was probably those days where I would have not had a leadership principle of lead humbly. So I guess in that right, this was probably a good training when I went to. So I'm making the case, I guess, for formal leadership training. Here we go. See, lead Aussie might, might shift gears on the fly here, might change positions. 
every five or 10 seconds, you never know what's going to happen. Again, leadosophy is about deepening my understanding. It's not necessarily trying to find the right answer. It's talking through these thorny leadership subjects. Formal leadership training is one of those thorny subjects. Again, there's multiple, multiple examples of formal leadership either failing, courses failing or fading away or becoming non-existent, or not being able to determine how effective they really are. It's not like a golf swing. Here's why I love a golf swing. When you take the club back and you swing and you make contact with the ball or you whiff, you can miss completely, it's immediate feedback. Immediate feedback. I don't think formal leadership training is, is necessarily like that. How do you determine effectiveness of leadership training? You may not know for days, weeks, months, years down the road. And then I say, shouldn't you ask the followers? A leader's followers may be the best judge of the effectiveness of formal leadership training. Maybe not the evaluator, the instructor. Maybe not the leader, his self or herself. The followers should be the judge of effectiveness in some cases. From a humanistic standpoint, I'm not talking about the organizational side or the, the process side of achieving organizational goals. I think it's safe to say that from a leadership effectiveness standpoint, I can do a great job of achieving organizational goals and meeting missions, achieving the vision of the organization and be horribly effective as far as leading other humans, creating a, an environment of compassion and empathy and, and empowering others to, to bring them along in the project. I could be a terrible leader in that aspect, great leader or effective leader as far as the organization's concerned, as far as getting things done. Someone out there right now listening probably has seen that or is living that right now in their organization. They're maybe the CEO or the C-suite staff see this particular manager as highly effective. This person keeps getting promoted and promoted and promoted. However, as far as human effectiveness, the followers may loathe this person, may despise this person from a leadership perspective. So two different tracks. I think they come together. I think they're symbiotic, but... I think a lot of times from from promote promotion standpoint, things like that, we've seen people being promoted in positions where they still treat people terribly, but their results, they got results. I had a conversation with the refridge repairman two days ago, talking about a refrigerator issue. And we were talking about the refrigerator industry being being in the re- pair side of, of refrigerators and appliances and how you have to attend this formal refrigerator repair school down it's, it's Sam it's a Samsung repair school for refrigerators and some te- technicians go to the school every, every year annually why do they do that because things change new models of refrigerators are updated uh, the refrigerator evolves becomes more smart uh, here's a pro tip if you get a smart refrigerator and you can't get the Wi-Fi to work, that's not a smart fridge. That was my first six months when we bought a new fridge. We didn't have Wi-Fi, so it was the dumbest smart fridge we ever had. But anyways, formal leadership or formal refrigerator training, is it the same as formal leadership training? I argue you're completely different, but there may be some similarities. How do we judge the effectiveness of that Samsung formal refrigerator repair training. Well, I think the first thought that comes to mind is 
was this person who went to this training, are they effectively repairing refrigerators, Samsung refrigerators? There's your feedback. The refrigerator gives the feedback, right? I don't know if when it comes to humans, if this is the same thing. How do you measure the effectiveness of, of someone who builds a ship or builds a deck? It's the product that comes out. So maybe from, from a formal leadership perspective or training perspective, again, I want to reiterate, you may not know the, the effectiveness of this, tr- this training until you really dive into the followers, right, from the, humanis- from the humanistic side. If you are seeking formal leadership training, what are you looking for specifically? I think that's important to know. For the managers who say they have never received any management training, what specifically are they looking for? Do they know what to look for? That may be an issue in itself, right? How do you train people on leadership? Again, I'm talking a formal, probably maybe like a formal classroom instruction setting. Maybe it's an online course. Uh, Maybe it's a a seminar, a three-day workshop. How do you do this? What's the approach? And I think there's a couple approaches you can you can take. You can take the broad approach where you're trying to, and again, using a workshop, it's a hands-on, whatever it might be. Are you trying to impart some general leadership skills that will transcend industries, will transcend communities, will transcend civilian versus military jobs? different levels in the hierarchy of, of management and leadership. What are you training to? Are you trying to just impart some general skills that maybe it's, you know, how to be more compassionate? You know, if we take the idea of, can you train someone to be more compassionate, right? Can you train that broadly across multiple industries? Maybe. I know there's things out there. We, in the Chiefs Academy, I mentioned the Chiefs Academy training that I went to four weeks I was along four weeks out in the, in the cow pastures of Petaluma, California, just outside Bodega Bay, California, on the beautiful northern coast of California. We talked about different generations, right? The generational, the differences between Generation X, Generation Y at the time. I mean, this is a long time ago. We're talking 15 years ago I went to the school. And how those generations, when they come together in the workplace, how do they mix, right? Also part of this formal leadership training, we did the Myers-Briggs, the personality test, right? So there's, this is part of a formal leadership curriculum, personality, generations. What else did we talk about? We did team building type things, right? I had a, we were broken into, up into six groups. And I think there were, maybe five of us to a group. I think there were about 25 or 30 of us in this class. Maybe there are five people in our group, five different groups. This Coast Guard course was also made up of Border Patrol agents who were in management roles and also senior listed Air Force members. So a little funny story. One of, my, one of the guys in my group became a pretty good buddy of mine named Todd. Todd was a, was a boom tech in the Air Force. What's a boom tech? Todd was the dude who was in the back of a plane and helped 
refuel other aircraft midair, mid-flight. So he was part of a refueling detail, mid-flight refueling detail. Gave me a really sweet coin, said boom operator on it. It was pretty awesome. But I can remember sitting at this table and we were watching this leadership video. It was about 30, it was actually almost an hour long, I think it was. And it was this elderly gentleman, probably in his 60s or 70s. And he was talking about how to be an effective leader, something like this. And it was that he had a really monotone voice. Uh, Just the whole video, he had the same tone of voice. And about 30 minutes into this video, this Air Force sergeant, he was a tech sergeant. Someone correct me if I'm wrong on my, on, my, on my ranks for the Air Force. He was an E-7 in the Air Force. I think that's a tech sergeant, maybe a master sergeant. I remember he, he leaned over, and I'll never forget this. He said, hey, Tim, what's up, Todd? You know what we care about in the, in the Air Force? I said, what's that? Todd says, bombs on target. Man, I'll never forget that. He said that, and it was a, it was definitely woke me up. And it was this, you know, it was this, this dichotomy or this, you know, this, I don't even know how to, how to explain it. This paradox between focusing on the leadership side of effectiveness and then trying to also focus on the technical side of getting the job done. And he just juxtaposed that perfectly against each other. Bombs on target, Todd said. Bombs on target. And I don't think Todd believed that leadership didn't matter in the Air Force, but he was definitely a a results-oriented, achieve-the-mission type person. He had that personality. The Air Force has told me to do this. They have told me to do it well, and I will do it well. And that was Todd, so that was my leadership story. But anyways, kind of getting back to this, I want to get back to this idea of training leadership broadly and training leadership in a narrow sense. So we, uh, as I mentioned, we can talk about formal leadership training, just trying to impart some general leadership skills or management skills. I don't even know what would be, what would be some general management skills that would transcend any industry. What would they be? I, I you know, thinking off the top of my head, I, I don't know, managing time management, I guess. Uh, managing stress. Um, anyways, if you think some, let me know. Drop me a line. I'd love to talk about it. But f- training leadership, a formal leadership training in the narrow sense, I did do this in my final years in the Coast Guard. And I'll be honest with you up front, I don't know how effective I was. I got surveys after every class, so I know generally how people enjoyed the class. But my leadership training was very specific. It was a means to a very specific and, and narrow end. My leadership training was geared specifically to managing operational risk in the Coast Guard. It was geared towards effective mission planning. As If we are planning for a mission in the Coast Guard to go out on a Coast Guard boat and affect a rescue, whether it's in training or real life, that mission planning has to come together at the pier before a boat crew launches. And it has to transcend out onto the water and all the way back until the boat is moored safely. And even then, that mission planning doesn't end. It comes back to a debrief process 
where leadership is still important. Leadership is still important in a post-mission debrief because your leadership qualities, if you are leading that debrief, you have to be one that you will draw out criticism of that mission from others. And if you're an authoritative or an oppressive leader, people won't want to speak up. And that is a problem in operational risk management for criticizing mission execution. You can execute the mission, but it can be highly flawed. You could have gotten lucky and got the boat back to the dock safely. But when you're critiquing that mission in a post-debrief setting, leadership matters. And that room, whether it's a room of 12 or 14 people that were involved in that mission, the leaders in that room have to bring out, they have to draw out that conversation, those hard conversations. So when I taught leadership over the course, my sessions were anywhere from four to six hours. And I traveled through different units in the Coast Guard giving this training. It was about how do we maximize efficiency in mission planning? What role do the, does a leader play in maximizing the effectiveness of mission planning? What personality traits will help the leader achieve the mission from a team perspective, whether that's understanding what a shared mental model is, how to acquire that as a team. What about the authoritative personality and how that will affect a mission brief? You know, again, just like a debrief, when you are planning a mission in the Coast Guard, if you are driving that mission planning from an authoritative standpoint as a leader, again, you may it may be hesitant for others to speak up, right? If they are afraid of criticizing your plan for, for retaliation purposes, that's poor leadership. I can say, leadosophy can say right off the bat, that's not effective leadership because effectiveness in this situation is ensuring that everyone's voice is heard in this mission planning. Especially if you have time, you have adequate time to plan for the mission. You may have an hour or two to plan for this mission if it's a training evolution. So if your leadership is preventing other people from uh, critiquing your plan because they're scared of what you might say to them, you're not gonna, it's not gonna be effective. And it's not gonna be effective, I can prove it because there could be a mishap or an accident that happens because of your defective attitude or your failure to draw out everyone's voice in the mission planning process. So that's kind of what I think about from formal leadership training. General sense of formal leadership training in a very narrow sense. There, there are probably, I know there are organizations out there, the organization I'm currently at, we have what's called a Leadership Development Institute. And we were doing this probably once a month where we would talk about maybe some general leadership principles and we tried to synthesize that into our organization as far as how those help with processes, uh, how we can help with customer service, providing a better service to our, to our clients. So we try to combine the two, the, the general and the very narrow. But I think Leadosophy's assumption is when you are designing a formal leadership course or if you are desiring or you have that urge to want a formal leadership course, you have to understand why you, what are you looking for? And this comes to my last point because hands-on experience, life experience is life's best teacher. I'd say 99% of any leadership position I've been in in my life was the raw experience. Maybe 90%, I'd say maybe 1% would be maybe a formal leadership 
class, 9% maybe, um, being mentored on how to lead and how not to lead. And then the rest of that, just the raw life experience of leading, being successful, leading, failing, making wrong decisions, not achieving the objectives you wanted to as a team, and getting that feedback kind of in the moment. And that, again, that feedback is on effectiveness seems to be the most critical component of leadership and what you're learning in real time. And again, I think you lack that a little bit in formal leadership training, management leadership training. This is back to that theory versus practice. We can get all the theoretical stuff and in, informal leadership training we want. But when it comes to the, to the practical world, how does it play out? Maybe sometimes they line up, sometimes they don't. So I think the last point is critical feedback. You have to be open for critical feedback from as far as learning informally on the job. Again, this is maybe not so much formal leadership training, but, but informally have to be receptive to that critical feedback. That's where you get those lessons, right? Those, those lessons from your followers, lessons from, from the leaders who are mentoring you. And then here's a, here's a conundrum for you. What if you're getting leadership effectiveness feedback from a leader you deem ineffective? Ponder that one for a little while. Leadosophy likes that one. So formal leadership training, again, I think it can be effective. I feel like I've been a part of some effective formal leadership instruction. I always said that when I taught leadership in the operational risk management world of the Coast Guard, I think I learned as much as, if not more than sometimes I think I was teaching to others. And when I say teaching, it was more of facilitation. It was more definitely a, a team dynamic of drawing other people's thoughts out as a very interactive class, which I liked. Uh, I think the whole lecturing on leadership, I can probably say that's nowhere near as effective as the hands-on interactive type things. But maybe, maybe some people learn from that formal leadership lectures. I don't know. I don't think I did very well. Again, I think my, my most... My most leadership learning moments came from, from just raw experience. And again, I think one last question we have to ask is, can we speed up the knowledge process from formal leadership training? And then you throw in, what about self-help leadership books? Do, they, do those help us close the knowledge gap? Leadership is tricky, man. I've said this a hundred times, and I will keep saying this. Leadership, leadership context, no two scenarios will ever be the same you're dealing with you're not dealing with refrigerators you're not dealing with with static components we're dealing with very dynamic personalities and when all these personalities come together you never know what you're going to get you never know what emotions are going to rise up through the team what values are going to conflict with one another there are a lot of dynamic things in leadership situations very specific specific, not general. There are a lot of dynamics that you can't predict. And I don't know as if you can necessarily develop a leadership training course for very difficult, very difficult. And this may upset some, some people who teach this stuff on a regular basis. I'm not saying formal leadership training is ineffective. I'm not saying that. So I don't want people to take that away from this. I'm just openly talking about the effectiveness of formal leadership training. 
how do we get the most out of it? Is it in the general sense? Is it in the narrow sense? Do we have to train to a specific context or objective? Do we have to train leadership formally as a means to something very specific? And what is that specific X or Y? I think that's how you start kind of unlocking or pulling apart the threads of, of formal leadership training and its effectiveness. That's all Leadosophy's got on formal leadership training. The next episode is going to be about the document I talked about from this, uh, I think it's a government organization in the UK, where they talk about the failures of formal leadership training or why it's maybe not as successful as we like to think it is. So that's coming up next. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life and of life. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.